you may be seated this morning, and uh, we're going to do what we have been practicing the last few weeks. God is good. And all the time, God is good. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 33, and if you're not familiar with where Exodus is, it's the second book in the Bible. So open, start from the left, and go two books. We've got Genesis and Exodus, and it simply means, the word means exit or the way out. And so Exodus is a book that gives us the story of the exit of the nation of Israel. And uh, Ben brought up a point that maybe I need to, some of you uh, maybe aren't aware, maybe you're new, as, as uh, I'll kind of introduce. Next, next week, uh, as was mentioned, Pastor Haley, the Pastor Haley, uh, my dad pastored this church for 22 years. And uh, I don't know anyone personally that has a greater love for missions and for what God is doing all over the world than my dad. And so uh, who I call dad for all these years, you call Pastor Haley or preacher. How many of you call him preacher? All right. Or Pastor Haley. Uh, This is a weird story and I'm not sure why I'm telling it. But I remember in 1997 when I was first came to Hallmark, I was way young back then. And I had a, a four-month-old kid who is almost 22 now. And I stood before a group of junior high school parents. Some of you were in the room today. And one person asked me a question. I'll never forget it. They were grilling me with why they should hire me to be the youth pastor to their students, their kids. And uh, someone asked me a profound theological question that night. And they asked me, what will you call your dad? Had I thought about it, I would have just said father, but I didn't. And so for years I called him preacher, and it was kind of weird for a while, just to be honest. Uh, but he is known as Pastor Haley, to answer your question. And so when I came back in 2016, uh, I said, I do not want to be known as Pastor Haley, because that's just beyond me. So people call me Pastor John. Or a lot of people, it's funny, because a lot of you still just call me John. And I don't really care what you call me, honestly. Well, there's a few words I don't want you to call me. But like, I don't, if you call me by my name, I don't care. And, but it's funny because several of you are like, John, I'm, I'm sorry, Brother John or Pastor John, and, and, and I don't really care. But Pastor Haley next week is going to preach. going to kick off our missions emphasis for two weeks. Join the story. It reminded me of a story, as uh, Ben mentioned this. Uh, there's people all over the world that, that can't worship like we do, that do that in secret. And um, some good friends of ours that many of you know, um, Chad and Stephanie, they sent me a message a few weeks ago, and uh, they serve in a particular country that, like I said, is not real open. They can't just openly meet. And a few weeks ago, they celebrated uh, Chinese New Year. And so their workers... Uh, that help them in their ministry in their, in their coffee shop, they go out into their villages and they, they teach in the villages what Chad and Stephanie have taught them in the coffee shop. And when they got back from the Chinese New Year, because everything pretty much shuts down for Chinese New Year, I got a message from Chad and from Stephanie that said, six more people joined the family today. Like, that is awesome. Yeah, celebrate that. That's so... We want to we celebrate stories all over the world that God lets us be a part of. We're going to start this morning by asking two questions. These two questions are on the bottom of your bulletin because we're going to start and finish 
with the same two questions. And I want you to think about these two questions as we walk through the story that we're going to read in Exodus chapter number 33. Here's the two questions. Have you experienced the presence of God? Have you experienced the presence of God? Think about that. And as we walk through the text, uh, think about it more. And then some of you have an answer already ready for that one, right? That's great. Next question. Are you seeking the God of the blessings or the blessings of God? That one may be a little more difficult to answer or to think through. Are you seeking the God of the blessings or the blessings of God? So this is week 10 in our Exodus series. So I'm going to try to catch some of, some of you. This is your first time to be here. It's the first time to hear the message and you're getting here uh, on the conclusion, right? The 10th the message, message of the series. So I'm going to try to catch you up in the last nine weeks in like two minutes. Think we can do it? So here we go. I'm going to give you a summary of the book of Exodus. And so in Exodus, we get the story of the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel have been in bondage to the, the Egyptians for over 400 years. God hears the cries of his people because we understand God hears, God sees, God knows, and God cares. And not only does he hear, see, know, and care, but he can deliver. He has the power to deliver. And so he approached uh, Moses on Mount Sinai in the burning bush, and he gave Moses a responsibility. Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to go deliver my people out of bondage. And Moses is always going to be a picture of Jesus. Jesus is our deliverer, just as Moses, empowered by God, was the deliverer of the nation of Israel. He was the one that allowed them to exit. He delivered them. They cry out to God. God hears. God gets a deliverer, Moses. Moses shows up to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not letting your people go. And so God reveals his power not only to Moses, to Pharaoh, to the nation of Israel, but also to the Egyptians. And in these ten plagues that some of us maybe learned a song about when we were little kids, God reveals that he is the one true God, that he has power over the false gods that the Egyptians worshipped. God finally breaks the heart of Pharaoh. He decides to let the people go. The nation of Israel go, and not only do they get to go, but they got to plunder the nation of, uh, of Egypt. It was as if they conquered them and took all their gold and silver, and they plundered them. They left. They come to the Red Sea. You guys know the story probably. The Red Sea is in front of them. Uh, Pharaoh decides, I, left all, I let all my workers that were free go. I decided I want them back. The Egyptian army is after the nation of Israel. The Red Sea on one side, behind them, a force that will destroy them. They cry out to God. God parts the Red Sea. The nation of Israel walks across on dry ground. The Egyptian army follows in pursuit of them. God brings the waters on them, and they all die. And God reveals he is all-powerful. Moses goes up on the mountain, Mount Sinai again, the same place where he had uh, had the encounter with the burning bush. And Pastor Nathan preached a message on the fact that, that God handed them the law, what we call the Ten Commandments, the law, to reveal God's heart for his people. That God wanted to dwell with his people. Not only does he do that, he gives them the law so that they would uh, live in fellowship and community with God. Then he tells them in Exodus chapter 25 to build a tabernacle. Tabernacle means dwelling place, that God wanted to dwell among his people. Because of sin in the garden, Adam and Eve were created in perfect innocence. They sinned, they broke the fellowship that God had with mankind, but God always wants to fellowship with you. Here's a, here's a great truth of scripture. God desires a personal relationship with you that is real 
and personal. God knows you by name. And so God He wants them to realize that in order for him to dwell with them, in order for them to have fellowship with him, they, there's a proper way to get to God. And every element in the tabernacle, starting with the first element, the, the gate, the entrance gate to the tabernacle, everything in the tabernacle pointed to Jesus Christ. And when Jesus showed up, he said, I am the way or I am the gate. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to the Father. No one has a relationship with God except through me. The picture of the Bible is always God pursuing a relationship with us sinners. So the tabernacle said that God wanted to dwell, dwell among his people. Jesus, when he came, dwelt around his people. When Jesus left, Acts chapter number 2, we see that God sent the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now God dwells not among, not around, but in his people. Now we as followers of Jesus Christ, what Paul said is that we are the very tabernacle, the dwelling place. Of God. That is pretty cool. That the God who created the universe wants a relationship with me. And he, he wants it so badly that he sent his son Jesus to die so that I could have a relationship with my creator. That's the story of Exodus. That's the story of the Bible. But let's look at Exodus chapter number 33. And as we look at this, again, I want you to think about these questions. Because in Exodus chapter 32, well, let's read the first few verses. Exodus chapter 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give. This is what we term now as the promised land. It's the land that God had promised. That's why we call it the promised land. And God says, It's time to get the people together, Moses. We're going to go into the promised land. And he says in verse 2, And I will send my angel before you, I will drive out the, Can the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey. And don't you know Moses was super excited about this. This is an awesome thing. God is saying, what I delivered you out of Egypt for, we are now going to go possess. The land I'm going to give you, let's go. Get, get it ready. We're about to head in. And also, I'm going to send my angel before you, and he's going to destroy all your enemies. The victory is already going to be won. Don't you know the people of Israel were excited? But their excitement changes quickly. Look at the rest of verse 3. God's still speaking. For I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you out of the way, for you are a stiff-necked you see what happened here? God is saying, Moses, get the people together. The land that I promised, I'm going to keep my promise. Because God always keeps his promise. He said, I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to send an angel before you to destroy all the enemies. So the, the land is yours. You can have it. But because of what you did in Exodus chapter number 32, I sent grace down and I didn't destroy you. That's what we learned last week in Exodus 32. But there's going to be consequences for your actions. There's still going to be consequences for your sin. And so, grace, I didn't annihilate you. Grace is I'm going to let you have the land, but I'm not going to go with you. And I wonder how the people of Israel are going to respond. Let's look at the rest of the verse. Verse beginning verse 4. Verse 4. When people heard this, this bad news, 
Now, as I read this text, it makes me think, what an understatement. This is really bad news. Maybe. Let's, let's see how they respond. It says, this is bad news, and they, they mourned. And they grieved. They were grieved in heart. They mourned because what was happening was God was giving them the land, was keeping his promise, but he was not going to go with them. And how are they going to respond first? They mourn. Let's continue reading. And no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord said, said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I come upon you, and you're missing the moment I consume you. Now therefore, take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of the ornaments by Mount Horeb. What is significant about these three verses? God reveals to them he's going to give them the land as he promised. He's not going to give them their, his presence, though. His presence is not going with them. They and then we see a test here. The test is very simple. God reveals or God sees that they're mourning. They're mourning because of the consequences. And sometimes in my life, I have said I'm sorry for something, only the reality was I was only sorry that I got caught. Have you guys ever done that before? I, I know not now, but maybe when you were younger. Sorry, you know, forgive us. And God is going to give them the test to prove if they're going to act on what they are saying. Because the truth is, God is not so interested in what we say, but what we do. It's one thing to come to church and act like, you know, you got everything together as a Christian. And look like you're not a Christian the rest of the week. What God told the Pharisees is they were whitewashed tombs. Look good on the outside. Which this is a is this green or blue? Wow. Okay. Greenish. Greenish. Sorry, Joy, I confess. I did wear this green band just in case she was right. So God is putting them to the test. Do you really, are you really sorry for what, are you really repenting? Because repentance, look at the title of the message, it's a change of heart. That's really what repentance is. It's a change, it's a change of direction, it's a change of heart. It's this 180 degree turn. I'm going to change the way I'm thinking. Uh, and when we think about salvation, I'm going to turn from my sin and myself. I'm going to turn towards God. And so God says, oh, yeah, I hear you morning. If you really are morning, here's what I want you to do. It's a very simple thing that we just read. I want you to take off all the ornaments. If you were here last week, Exodus chapter 32, those same ornaments came into play. Because in Exodus chapter 32, Remember, Moses went up onto the mountain. He was getting the, the Ten Commandments, the law. The people got scared. And remember what happens when we live in fear and not faith? We forget the faithfulness of God. And so they're living in fear, and they cry out to Moses' brother Aaron, who was the priest, and said, we don't know where, what's happened to Moses. Is he ever going to come back? Now, we don't know how long he was there, but it was less than 40 days. They're already freaking out. They've, they've seen how much God can do, and yet they're still living in faith. And what do they do? They take all these ornaments— Aaron melts the gold down and makes a golden calf 
and they worship it. They even said, worship this calf which delivered you from the nation of Egypt. How, how mind-blowing that is. The gold that God had given them from the nation of Egypt, they didn't have to, they didn't have to raise a sword. They walked out, they took the gold, they plundered the nation. The very gold that God gave them, they made into an image and worshipped. And the statement we, we said last week was that they worshipped the blessings of God more than the God of the blessings. Does that remember? Here's the They were willing to actually obey. Can you, can you believe it? We got to mark this down in your Bible. The Israelites got it right. Because that didn't happen very often. Turn to your neighbor and say, they got it right. Turn to the other side and say, they got it right. Right? They got it. It's a miracle, right? Because the nation of Israel never gets it right. And so we, let's celebrate that the nation of Israel this time. Not only did they mourn, but they followed in obedience. It was a true sign of repentance. They were going to lay down what they, the gold. In other words, think about it this way. In this, this example, this willingness to obey, what they were stating is that they worship God more than the gold. They wanted God's presence more than they wanted God's promises. They wanted the Lord, not just the land. Now, the question, one of the questions we're asking the rest of this morning is, for us, am I seeking after the blessings of God more than the God of the blessings? So, so let me give you a test this morning. It's pop quiz time today, and, and all, oh man, that just brought back some horrible memories. Never mind, we won't, won't say that. How do you know? Because like the Israelites, we church people, oh, I love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength, and yeah, I, I pray every Sunday when I go to church, and, and, and I love God. So how do we really answer the question, do I, am I pursuing God more than the blessings of God? Can, can I give you the, the most direct test? Because there's a lot of tests. This isn't the only test, but I'm just going to give you probably the toughest test for you today. And you're going to actually take this test. Some of you have already taken it in the last few weeks. Some of you are going to have to take it before April 15th. You guys know what April 15th, right? Coming, it's coming quickly. So all of you who are getting uh, money back from the government, you've probably already done your taxes. All of you who are going to have to pay or you're not sure, you're probably putting it off. You may be even filing that extension, right? But when you sit down to do your taxes, there is going to be the biggest test, the test you've already taken. It's actually going to be the results of your test. That one line item, you know, that says charitable contributions, what you give to the Lord. Look at that line, and that's going to tell you, did you pass this test? I, I read this statement a couple years ago, and it stuck with me. Um, so when you do your taxes it, on that charitable contributions line, that next year God was going to base your salary 
on that line item. And he was going to multiply that line item by 10. And that was going to be your salary. Some of you in the room, you would get a raise, wouldn't you? And some of you would be asking me for some money, probably. Here's some sad statistics. The average churchgoer in a given week gives $17 a week, providing they go. They got to show up to be in that. What what is that? You know, that's less than $900 a year. So multiply that by 10, and there's your salary. That'd be tough. 37% of people who regularly attend church and claim to be evangelical Christians, 37% give zero through the church in a given year. So we're asking this question, am I pursuing God or am I pursuing his blessings? To me, the reason Jesus talked more about money than any other thing was because Jesus knew it was going to be the greatest contributor, the greatest competitor of our heart. So the test, the Israelites passed. Some of you in the room today, you passed. of Exodus chapter 22. Well, let's keep moving on. It's getting really quiet in here. We celebrate. They won. They, they passed the test, right? Moses took his tent and pitched it camp, far from the camp, and called the tabernacle meeting. Now, this is a precursor to the actual tabernacle. He has a that he called the tabernacle meeting. It came to pass each man that picture where it says that Moses talked face to face with God as a man who is a follower of Jesus Christ God in the family. We were once strangers. Just as Moses talked face to face with God, everyone in here this morning talks to a friend.
taking place here. Moses has had this great victory that the people not only mourned, but seemingly repented by laying down the ornaments that we're once holding on to. They're signifying that we want God more than the gold. And yet God is still saying, my presence is not going with you. And Moses has this moment of doubt. Moses, you know, sometimes we, we think of the Bible characters as, as these people that we could never think or do or act or be as holy or as good as they are. And the truth is, every person in Scripture that God used was just normal, ordinary people that messed up just like you and I do. And just like you and I have doubts, we, we have doubts sometimes, we doubt God. And if you don't doubt God sometimes or you don't wrestle with God, do you hear me? Do you really see? Do you really care? You're not really being honest with yourself. Because we all have those moments. I love the statement that says, Never doubt in the dark what God has revealed to you in the light. And Moses is having that moment right now. God, you've told me that I found grace. And I understand that in the light. You revealed to me that in the light. But man, now that it's dark and now I'm wondering, I'm doubting. God, you've told me that you know my name. But Moses is saying, if that's true, God, do you really know who I am. God, do you really care? Because God, if you do, you got to go with us. God, we don't, we don't want the land. We want you. God, we don't want to pursue your blessings. We want to pursue you. And look what God's answer is. God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Keep reading verse 15. Then he said to him, Moses responds. Moses kind of doubled down. Like, are you sure, God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us from here. For how then will we, know, will we be known that, that your people, and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. God, we don't want the blessings. We want you. So we shall separate your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken for. You have found grace in my sight. And I love this last phrase because God directly answers the question that Moses is wrestling with. He, he again says, Moses, you have found grace in my sight. In the last part of verse 17, and, what does it say? I know you by name. Listen, today, whatever you're wrestling with, whatever that fear or doubt, can, can I just assure you, just as God knows the name of Moses, God also knows your name. Just as God loved the nation of Israel and the people of Israel and Moses, God loves you. Just as God pursued them, God also pursues you. And Moses responds with what we sang about today. Moses said, please, God, show me your glory. God, I'm more interested in you than in what you can give me. God, I'm more interested in your presence with a C than your presence with a T. And in our culture, that's a tough thing. Can I, can I just have confession with you this morning? I wrestle with this a lot. I wrestle with this a lot. 
God, I, I want your presence with a C more than I want your presence with a T. Why, why was Moses so set on wanting the presence of God? What was, what was Moses so set on pursuing the God of the blessings, not the blessings of God? Why should we also be the same? Because the presence of God brings two things. And so if you got your bulletin, we're finally going to get to one of your blanks, okay? Get your bulletin out, take some notes there. What, what, what is, why was Moses so set on having the presence of God? And here's what Moses knew. Number one, God's presence brings salvation. God's presence brings salvation. There's two verses of Scripture. They're on your bulletin. They'll be on the screen. It says, Matthew 1, 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Acts 4, 12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What Moses knew was the blessings of God were secondary to the presence of God. Because God's presence brings salvation. The question we asked when we started this morning was, have you experienced the presence of God? That question really means then, have you received salvation from God? Have you received the gift? The second thing Moses knew about God's presence, not only would it bring salvation, but number two, would bring satisfaction. Nothing, listen, nothing in this world, the gold from Egypt, was not going to bring them satisfaction. Only God could do that. In Exodus 33, 14, we already read it, God said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. What Paul knew in prison was, I have learned to be content wherever I am, whether I have a lot or whether I have nothing. Because God is everything. God not only can save us, but God is the only one who can save us. God not only will satisfy us, but God is the only one that can satisfy us. The question, have you experienced the presence of God and are you seeking the God of the blessings or the blessings of God? Your blanks here talking about the nation of Israel. It says they chose the God of the blessings over the blessings of God. They got it right. They got it wrong a lot. But they got it right this time. And if I'm honest with you this morning, I get it wrong a lot. But I'm going to try to get it right. The second one there, salvation and satisfaction can only be found in our repentance. Salvation and satisfaction. We can only have the presence and power of God in our lives if we are willing to repent. If we're willing to repent, again, they said we mourn, but the repentance really came and was revealed through their actions. They were willing to say, God, we're going to lay down the ornaments. We're going to lay down the gold. We want God more than the gold. So let's end how we started. Have you experienced the presence of God?
If you've not experienced the presence of God, let me just read a few verses of Scripture for you. Romans chapter 10 says in verse 9, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes and the righteous with the mouth confession is made. Think about that. Believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. And what do I get? Salvation. Verse 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I know I've asked this question a lot. Have you experienced the presence of God? Because those three verses explain how to. You believe that God sent his son to die on the cross for your sins, to pay a sin debt you could never pay, that he was buried, three days later he came back to life, and if you call on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God promises, he declares, you will be saved. And just like he kept every promise for the nation of Israel, he'll keep that promise. If you've never experienced the presence of God, can I just encourage you this morning? In fact, I would ask everyone to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to ask Ben and, and the worship team if they go ahead and get in place this morning. But just because I put your head down, don't, don't check out on me, okay? Don't start thinking about lunch. This is the most important few minutes of the service today. It's the most important thing for you to hear today. If you've never experienced the presence of God in your life, in this very moment, right now, you can experience God's presence. You can experience his salvation. You can experience the satisfaction that only he can bring. And it's simple. You only have to call out. Whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. So as our eyes are closed this morning, if you have never experienced the presence of God and you would like to do that this morning, you would like to surrender your life to him, I'm going to model a prayer for you. If you would like to repeat these words, not to me and not for me, but to the Lord, then you can do that right where you're seated now. God says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart and you call on him, he'll give you salvation. So right now where you're seated, if you want to experience the presence of God, if you want to give your life to him today, say something like this to God. God, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe Jesus is the only way to God. I confess that I need Jesus. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and save me. As their eyes are still closed, would anyone have the courage this morning? I'm not going to call you out, but I, I just want to pray for you. Would anyone say this morning, John, I just prayed that prayer. I just experienced the presence of God. Would you put your hand up for a moment? Just put your hand up for a moment. Leave it up. Put it up high. Thank you. There's one. A anyone else? Just put your hand up for a moment. A couple in the back. Thank you. Right up here at the front. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. Anyone else, just put your hand up for a moment. 
You can put your hands down. Here's what I want you to do in a moment. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of worship. And what I'm going to encourage you to do this morning, if you prayed that prayer, there's going to be some of us standing here at the front. We're going to be facing you. We would love to celebrate with you. We'd love for you to walk down in a moment when we stand, shake somebody's hand and just say, I gave my life to Jesus today. Trust me, you might be scared, but just believe me, we're going to celebrate with you. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. For the rest of us in the room this morning, the second question may be a little more difficult. Are you passing the test? There's a lot of tests. I gave you one, and it had to do with money. Because I think what you do with your money reveals where your heart is. I think it was obvious all the way through scripture and so I'm going to challenge you this morning if, if God's revealed to you through his word and through the story of the Israelites that you're pursuing the blessings of God more than the God of the blessings you need to get that right I can't make that decision for you I would encourage you to walk down the aisle this morning and pray God, forgive me for pursuing the gold more than God. Lord, we are blessed to know you. We're blessed to be in this beautiful facility, to have freedom to worship. Lord, I'm thankful for those this morning that have called unto you for salvation. God, I pray that you would give them the boldness to walk forward this morning to tell someone. And Lord, for those of us in here this morning that maybe you've revealed some sin in our life and and maybe that sin is dealing with what we're pursuing more than you, that Lord, we would have the same response the Israelites did, that we would mourn over our sin and that we would act upon it. Lord, we thank you for the promise that you are always pursuing us, that you desire a relationship with us. So Lord, I pray in this last song as as we just worship, Lord, we, we realize that you are always calling out to us. You're always seeking us. You're always pursuing us. And may we respond today. It's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus that we pray.